Hello. Hello and welcome. I I, st- I got to the hello before you because you didn't know when I was <laughs> going to start recording. <laughs> this is true. Yeah. Oh man. Well. Well, what's up, man? What's up, dude? Oh, not much. Just uh, you know, this is the thing about the these intros now that are are harder is because generally Nothing's there'd be changed. things that would be happening in my life that I could <laughs> report on. Um. Nothing's changing right now. Yeah. Everything's the same. Yep. I uh, I agree with that. <laughs> I was. I mean, all I can say is, yeah, I've been like hanging in the shed still. <laughs> I don't know. It's like it's like hot now. <laughs> Which is true. It is hot. Oh, um, my dog got warm. Yeah, that that you told me about. That sucks and gross. Yeah. So that's gross and sucks. So I've been kind of taking care of her a bit. Um, Is she doing better? She's doing better for good. sure. And good, she's good. happy. And yeah, so. Oh, I, uh, what a weird thing we have. Take, taken care of. Yeah. Makes me feel strange. Very, very weird. Makes me feel um, like I have worms in me. What is, what is, you know, now that you guys are grossed out, our guests, today we're talking about food um yes so our good friend marissa um runs a instagram account called that cheese plate or cheese by numbers um and she just put out a book today called that cheese plate will change your life um and it's available everywhere and it is awesome her her cheese plates are incredible yeah and this will teach you how to impress your friends um, before the next uh, 8123 fest when you have 15 people staying in your apartment you can make a cheese plate from from this book and, and impress them so yep. yeah um, we've been friends with Marissa for I mean since our first tour so uh, yeah you know and she has such an awesome story of 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 just her career and you know she worked at late night shows for a while and then transitioned into making a book about cheese plate and we get into all that and uh i think it's really inspiring and she's she's yeah she's, it was she's awesome, great yeah awesome chat and for yeah for for any anyone trying to get into the um, the music industry or just carve your own path for what you want to do with your your life um pay attention to what she has to say because it's uh it's and inspiring so definitely um sweet well we will get into the chat because it's kind of a long one but it's great um but uh yeah first here's a message from a sponsor doing doing good just uh yeah, I mean, doing the same thing as everybody else in the world. Happy Mother's Day. Pat. Oh, thank you very Mother's much. Mother's Day as a family, yep. not you being it a mom, is. but <laughs> that's so yep. exciting. I know. Yeah, it, it, it was it was awesome. I mean, how, obviously. How is the baby? She's good. She's just, I mean, it's just weird that nobody has seen her yet in, in yeah. person. Because <laughs> no, that's so true. literally she was born a week before all, all of this happened. And then, oh gosh. 
she's just a different baby like every day, you know? So I just just feel very weird that people didn't like get to see her when she was like a tiny, tiny baby because she's, she's just grown so much and she's like figuring out, figuring out how to to laugh right now. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That is uh, so crazy. Cause yeah, she's like three months old now, right? Yeah. Oh my gosh. So cute. Yeah. She's already talking, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's yeah. In, she's in, she's just a world's best baby. <laughs> oh, the best. <laughs> but yeah, how's uh, how's things going with you? Having a having a hectic w- w- week with the with the book of, about to come out. Yeah, it comes out tomorrow, which is crazy. I feel like I've been counting down to this for a very long time. I actually like put the pre order up in December, which was pretty early for a yeah. young pre-order but we were like oh people want to order it for christmas and then people ordered it and they're like wait it doesn't come out till may yeah <laughs> so i'm happy that may 12th is tomorrow but yeah it's been it's been interesting i mean i saw you guys right before this quarantine happened and um i flew back to my parents house just because i wanted to avoid new york at all costs and uh it's been trying to like revamp my business working out of their house has been interesting but it's been fun I I mean, I can only imagine like, I mean, going back home, but you're also starting a whole new chapter of your life. It's probably pretty weird. It's really, it's really confusing for my brain because I'm sitting in my childhood bedroom right now at desk that I used to sit at when I literally like ran a street team for the morning light, the fearless records. And I was 14, you know, and like now fast forward to today, I'm like, sitting here with a book that I wrote and I'm like, what is this? This is like a really crazy full circle experience. And I don't know. It's just, it's very trippy. Yeah. Uh, We were thinking about like when we met for the first time, which would have been 2007, right? Yeah. 2007. I think I, it was July. It was that summer. Cause you guys played at trackside, right? Yeah. Yeah. On our tour. Yeah, and I just turned 15, so, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> babies, <laughs> crazy. Yeah, I mean, I'll remember so, like, that show because it seemed like, I mean, I don't know if you were fans of ours, but I remember you guys being, and it was like one of the first times people showed up early to a, one of the shows on that tour, so it was like, I remember we get out and like loaded the gear, and then you guys were like hanging out near a tree, and it was like, oh, there's yeah, people already yeah, here. it was like... <laughs> Well, it's funny because all of those shows at Trackside, like we had nothing to do. Like I grew up in the suburbs of Connecticut and as a 15 year old who like didn't really like to party and was just like an emo kid. Those shows at Trackside were like our thing to do. So we would just like hang out and just like be around. I don't know. It was like such a fun thing to have, especially in a boring place like Connecticut, like Britton Billick, mutual friend of all of ours, he really transformed that place and made it into an awesome music venue that was like a stop for many bands on tour. So it was a really cool place to have, like at the age of fifteen. Yeah, oh, I'm, I'm sure, and you know, like you, you guys were getting bands to come through through there that wouldn't have come to c- c- Connecticut if it, if it if it wasn't for for that that venue. Oh yeah, absolutely not. Like and this venue too, like you guys know, it, it's literally in the middle of the woods next to a train station and it's a teen center. So like I mean back in the day like that's kind of the the music scene that we all kind of grew up in, there were a lot of teen centers on the tour. <laughs> like it oh, was yeah. a big stop to go to a teen center, you know. 
But oh, now yeah. teen centers have these like random dances. I don't even know if they do at teen centers anymore, but definitely not music as yeah. much as it was back in the day. Yeah. So, I mean, what like caused you, obviously, like having some type of a business sense or, or something like early on to like want to be like working for the, the, the morning light on their. Uh, on, on their street team when you're 15 and and doing all the um, the interviews you were doing and everything like what what caused you, you like you to even have have the thought to do that because you know I think the the average 15 year old girl that's going to those shows is just you know a, a excited to try to take a picture with one of the guys in the the band or something. Yeah, I've always been very uh, work focused and when I was 13 I got introduced to the band Something Corporate and Jack's Mannequin and that was kind of the first band that really made me um, feel something when I listened to music you know it's like before that I I liked music but it was always kind of like when I was really young it was like either top 40 or like 90s bands that my parents would play and I feel like Something Corporate was the first band that I was like, oh, I feel like this music feels my teenage angst and there's something like deeper behind this, you know? Um, yeah. And this was kind of, this was in 2005. So the internet, you know, was there. It was MySpace days um, and forums slash street teams were a big thing. So I looked up Jack's Mannequin street team and I like joined their, um, their street team called The Messengers. And what they would do is they would send you these like postcards to like post around town to borders or to like to the bookstore to like wherever you want to put them, hang them up, take a picture, post it, and you can get points to win like a t-shirt or something. And as a 13 year old, I was like, this is so much fun. Wow. I feel like I'm actually like involved with this band that I really like and I'm working to help promote them. And I feel like I'm doing something that, I don't know, it's just like at such a young age, I don't know if I could even process what it was at the point, but I felt um, a part awesome of to be able to be part of the community. Yeah. And so from then on, like I strangely, so um, I won tickets. My very first concert, like besides NSYNC, Aaron Carter, very <laughs> first concert was uh, going to see Andrew McMahon perform. So he got diagnosed with leukemia um, in the summer of 2005 and he had a kind of comeback show. So a hundred days after his stem cell transplant, it's like you're considered your like first birthday so you can from that point on you're in remission and he had this comeback show in LA for family and friends and 50 fans got to go and on the street scene they were like write in why you deserve tickets and I remember sitting in the living room and being like mom I'm entering this contest if I win I can go to a show in California and she's like okay cool like you're not gonna win <laughs> and I end up writing this whole thing about um like my grandparents who passed away from cancer when I was young and like I don't even know, like volunteering at the food bank. I don't even know what I wrote. I would love to find that 13 year old essay. Um, <laughs> but I ended up winning tickets to go to the show. So I wow. told my mom and she was like, oh crap. Okay, well, let's figure this out. And me and my best friend and my mom uh, went to LA and that was my first concert. And it was insane because there were about 150 people there. Andrew was still no hair, very frail. Um, it was his first show back. And that just like hit this like nerve in me where I'm like, wow, this band definitely means something and music definitely means something. And I need to like keep going with this. And I met friends at that show 
who later on, a few years later, we kept in touch and they started an organization called 1111 AM, which is a nonprofit that raised awareness for young adult cancer research. And when I was 16, they asked if I wanted to um, be the social networking director. So like basically run all the, the social media sites. Oh, shit. Um, so, so I did that when I was 16. But the year before when I met you guys, um, it was kind of this blossoming of my love for music, my love for going to shows, my love for like, like photographing and just being part of the, the community in a sense. And um, I remember meeting Nano, who you guys know. Um, he was managing all time low at the time. And I think it was probably in 2007, I met him. I don't know how I met him, but probably at Trackside or something. And um, he, he was like, Oh, I feel like you, you're really uh, like a, hard worker do you want to run the street team for the morning light and I was like yeah sure why not that sounds fun so I didn't really realize what this entailed running a street team and um I like knew what it was like to be on a street team but to run it was very different and uh I remember having conference calls with fearless records like pretending that I was 18 but I was actually like (laughs) probably just turned 16 maybe still 15 them being like, all right, Marissa, like, tell us about your project. Like, how's your band doing? They had a street team leader for like each band. And yeah. I was like, yeah, it's going well. Like we had some fun challenges up like this and that. And just like a thinking that was the coolest thing ever that I'm on this conference call with fearless records. <laughs> and then B like also not really knowing what I was doing, but like figuring it out along the way. Um, but it was amazing. really fun because I got to like create all these um, like projects and challenges and like, I remember one that was like, create a banner. Remember on MySpace, you had those banners that like yeah. promoted albums, it's yep. like create a custom banner and like the winner will get a hundred points. And because I was on Jack's mannequin street team, I kind of knew how to create these different challenges and whatnot. And um, it was super fun to be able to be in that position. Um, and then the morning light ended up breaking up and that's when I kind of went into working for 1111 where I ran their Tumblr page, their MySpace, um, Facebook Twitter, I think, I think Twitter in like 2008 started. And uh, again, it was kind of in a situation where I'm like, okay, what are some fun like challenges I can think of? And so I did, I was really into photography. So I did a photo competition where it was like, take a picture of something that um, makes your life beautiful and we'll, you know, post them all in our MySpace and pick a winner. And from there, we ended up um, 1111 teamed up with Dear Jack Foundation, which was Andrew McMahon's organization and ended up going on Warp Tour for like, five summers in a row. So then that kind of launched me into the warp tour space of like actually working in music production and like live music. And that really was like, okay, this is what I want to do. Um, so I ended up doing warp tour with them for in new England, in the Northeast, you can go to like seven warp tour dates yeah. in the span of like driving across Arizona. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so I'd hit up all the dates, like in my mom's car, just like, you know, drive through and I thought it was so cool to be like, yeah, I'm a vendor, you know, walk in, (laughs) sit at the merch table, sell these orange bracelets. And, and it was the best. I had so much fun. Um, and then after that, like, this was all off in high school, college approached and it was like, okay, well, what do you want to study? And I'm like, well, music business, right? Cause like, that's what I've been doing and that's what I want to do. And this is the only thing that makes me excited. Um, but not many schools like had this as an option back in the day. And also I was hit with a lot of, um, not criticism, but people being like, Oh, you can't study music business. Like really, like you have to be in the music business. Like no one's going to teach you anything at 
school that like yada yada mm-hmm. so that was like a little discouraging um did that end up being true because yes and no so i feel like i learned so it, it depends on like where you go and how you make that experience worth it because i really wanted to go to nyu that was my first choice i applied early decision did i had to do like a video like audition tapes because like part of it was music theory and like it oh, was shit. just a crazy application straight up rejected was like devastated i thought that was like my only choice um my second choice was northeastern in boston and i got in um january admission so basically they're like you can come here but not till january because you know i don't know why probably because like they ran out of housing or something um but with Northeastern, it was great because they have this internship program called the co-op. And so you do two six-month internships over your time there. And they give you so many resources for interviewing, for resume building. Um, there's a whole database for internships that they have. And they had a really strong music business program that not many other schools had. Um, so I feel like it definitely was beneficial for me. But it really depends on like how you make that experience worth it. Totally. And you were already doing things like since you were 15 that you probably had an upper hand on a lot of that stuff. Yeah. I remember when I got um, deferred from Northeastern originally, I sent them this like whole packet of like photos I took at shows and like, I don't even know. Like I stacked my resume with like all this information on it and they're probably just like, what? Okay. (laughs) Simple taker. Um, a funny thing that I used to do in high school was since I was working for the morning light, I um, got to get on the guest list for every fearless band show. That's probably why I saw you guys so much. I was just always getting put on the guest list for these <laughs> shows because I was like a fearless employee and I'd get a photo pass for every show. And so I got my first camera when I was um, 16. It was a Canon SLR and I would take all of these like awesome photos in front of the barricade, but then like, use them in art class you know because i'm like i don't i'm not working for a publication or anything so that's a fun little life hack back in the day yeah yeah i mean i i I think there's there's so many people that want to get into the, the, the music business somehow and just don't know what to do they don't know if they should go to to school for it or just start doing it and i mean it kind of seems like you just kind of took, took the approach like a bunch of, you know, I guess yours is more of like a, 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 a hybrid of the two, but you just like started doing whatever you could, even though you weren't getting paid. You, yeah. You just, oh, yeah. You, you just like wanted to be involved, I guess. Um, is there, is there any advice that you would, you would have for, for someone that wants to do something like 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 what you you did in the industry yeah i mean it's it's hard because a lot of it is unpaid um i didn't get paid to intern or to do anything until um probably my like last internship in college because i think now uh companies are a little bit better about paying their employees but back in like the 2011-2012 it's just like it was normal in the entertainment industry to not make money Mm -hmm. um and to not pay interns I feel like it's hard because it is one of those businesses where it's like you either have to know someone you either, or you have to have impeccable timing and like that just needs to work out. 
or you need to have like a stacked resume and like really impress someone. But it's like, okay, how do you get a stacked resume? And that's just literally hustling, like be on street teams, do everything that you can to get involved and like try to learn as much as you can as you go. Um, A big thing is like, you need to be professional. Like if you are working for a band that you really enjoy, you can't be like in an unprofessional setting. You know, you can't ask them for a photo. Don't, don't like be in the fan world. You have to be like in the professional working mindset, um, which I think is a lot of people enter the music industry thinking that they'd be able to like hang out with their favorite bands all the time. But it's like, no, it's not like that. (laughs) Like it will eventually be cool, but you really need to um, take it seriously because it is a job at the end of the day. And the music industry is a tough place to work. Um, I love it. I still love it. I'm not in it at the moment, but I'm going to jump back in soon. I'm sure. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I think it's like, definitely if you have the opportunity to um, go to a university where they have a music business degree, it is helpful again, because of the um, internships that are happening around. But yeah, at the end of the day, it's like you have to be able to um, just try to find your, your first footing in and then grow from there, you know? Yeah. So what was your first paid thing in, in the, uh, the music industry once you once you got done with school so my first paid job well a little bit confusing i so we so basically uh i'll just start from college because there's a lot of different things that led up to this um when i went to northeastern again i got in jan start so september through december of the first semester of my freshman year um they basically were like oh you can go to community college and then come here when you know, January rolled around and mm-hmm. I didn't want to do that because I'm like, I want to work. I want to do something like I need to be doing music, whatever. So, um, a friend of my mom's actually works for a production company for films. And they said, Oh, if Marissa wants to interview to be an intern, um, for like our production company, feel free. So I went to the city, I put on like a suit and I <laughs> went into this interview when I was 18 and was like, Hey, like, I really want to work on this film set. And they're like, cool. Like what department do you want to specialize in? And this is like TV film, which is way different than the music industry. And I knew nothing about it, but I knew that I wanted to do like entertainment. And this is the opportunity that, that popped up. So I was like, Oh, you know, just like a PA, I guess. And they're like, okay, great. So I interviewed, um, they were like, we're either going to place you on a film set in Dallas, Texas or Dublin, Ireland. I was like, all right, cool. Like, hope for the best. And uh, I got word that I'll be placed on the film in Dublin. So I moved to Dublin and lived there for four months, um, my freshman year of college and worked on a film set, which was like the craziest experience of my life because the hours are insane. Like you wake up at, you're on set at 7am, you're working till 7pm. Sometimes you're doing overnight shoots. Like it's just, it's your life. It becomes your life. And it was a 11 week shoot in and around Dublin. Um, but that crew became like my family. And that was like kind of the first experience I had. It's like, it was almost like being on tour where it's like, you're with these people all the time. And then you're like, wow, this is like something that we built together. And this is really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so that experience really opened my eyes to TV and film, which like, I didn't really know I, I could like, but um, later on it, it made sense how it came back around. 
So then I went to Northeastern. Uh, my first internship was at Network Music Group, which is a management company in Boston. So they manage the bands um, Fun, Duster, Dispatch, State Radio, Alexi Murdoch, um, kind of like those jammy bands. And uh, with Fun, it was actually the year that they won their Grammy, 2012. So it was a really exciting year to be at Network. Um, they just launched I'm Boston sure, Calling. Yeah. Yeah, Boston Calling Music Festival. So I got to experience Boston Calling working for fun, which was like an amazing experience and opened my eyes to like festival production. And I really enjoyed that. Um, and that was an unpaid internship. But I feel like from just the experience I got and everything that I was able to do and see, it was definitely worth it. Um, but I did realize in that internship that I didn't really want to work in management because it was just a little too slow for my liking. Like I liked being... I liked being in the live music setting. I liked running around and kind of like using my hands. Um, and with management, you don't really get that too much. So my next internship, I um, applied to work at the Tonight Show or at the time it was Late Night with Jimmy Fallon. And this was an internship that I got connected through a friend of a friend's cousin who like <laughs> gave me the internship coordinator's email. And I like cold emailed them and was like, hi, I really want to work here. Here's my resume. And like, I don't even know what I said. Um, and I ended up getting a response and they're like, Hey, yeah, we're like opening our, our internship, uh, interviews in like three weeks. If you're able to interview, sure. You know, why not? And, um, I interviewed for that I ended up getting the job working in the music department. So working for the roots, um, and then working for the feature music artists on the show. So every day was completely different, which was amazing because you go in and you just like, don't even know what's going to happen that day. But then it's like, so much action and the day goes by so quick and you're running around. It's like exactly the pace that I like. Mm -hmm. um, and I got to work uh, the last two months of late night transitioning into the tonight show. So I worked the premiere of the tonight show, which was like the craziest experience of my life. I was like on the roof of 30 rock watching YouTube play like with a sunset. <laughs> it was just like, That's it was the most cool. bizarre internship I've ever had. And um, with that, like, it was a part-time internship. So I was on three days a week and then a girl from NYU was on two days a week. And with NYU, uh, they make you, or they encourage you to do like five internships at one time, whereas Northeastern has this co-op program. So you literally just move to New York city and that's your life for six months. You don't have to do school or anything. Crazy. And so I had this advantage because I had so much free time. And this NYU girl was like super overwhelmed. So I ended up taking like all of her shifts and ended up working like, full-time at, at Fallon. Whoa. Um, yeah. So I was there like five days a week commuting from Connecticut where my parents live. Um, and then ended up moving to Brooklyn for a little bit while I did that. And it was awesome because I took this internship so seriously and was like, okay, I'm going to work every day. I'm going to make a new intern manual for all these new interns coming in because like we, uh, we just revamped the tonight show. It's different than late nights. Like there's all these new things happening. And, I just was like, again, tapping into my like workaholic, like <laughs> German state being like, all right, I'm going to make this the best I can be. And, um, and not screwing around and not getting, you know, phased by Zach Efron walking down the hall hallway or like not making any sort of reaction to any celebrity in the place, which is like, they teach you there, like you need to be a wallflower yeah. and like, that's, that's how you exist. Um, so then I finished that internship and, I was like, wow, well, I figured out what I want to do. I want to work um, for a late night 
for, for a late night TV show in the music department. And my mom was like, uh, you know, there's like three of those that exist. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, but like, you know, I think it happen. Like, why not? And at the time, again, going back to like timing is everything. Um, Stephen Colbert announced that he was taking over for David Letterman. And I knew from the Colbert report that they did not have a music department. So I was like, okay, here's an opportunity. There is a music yeah. department that is going to be built from the ground up. How do I get in there? And um, a friend of my brother's actually was a PA on the Colbert report. And so I hit him up and I was like, John, how do I do this? Like, how do I, how do I get in? He's like, I don't even know if I'm getting hired on that show. Like we have no idea what's happening. And I'm like, okay, well, here's my resume just in case. And then um, this was January of 2015. Yeah, I graduated in May of 2015. So this was January. And uh, in April, or sorry, May of 2015, I got an email from this guy, Keith, who is the Roots production manager on Fallon. And he was like, hey, Marissa, I just want to know like what your schedule is like. Um, Colbert is looking for an assistant in the music department. And I was like, wait, what? Like, did you really just email me this? Like, this is crazy. What? And he's like, yeah, like, I thought of you because you were such a great intern. And I was like, this is so trippy. And basically, like, what I later found out what happened is that Keith's wife works at Seth Meyers, whose friend works, her friend works at the Colbert Report, whose friends with the production manager who was like, oh, John Batiste needs an assistant. And then that got back to Keith and then he thought of me. So it's like, just word of mouth, you know? That's so um, crazy. But it was crazy with the timing of it because I was like, oh my gosh, yeah, like I'm graduating college and I this is where I want to work. So cool, let's do it. Um, so I ended up interviewing like three times for it to be the assistant to John Batiste, um, who's an amazing jazz musician, brilliant guy. Um, but it was a crazy job because this was a brand new late night show that didn't even exist yet. So with Fallon, at least they had late night transitioning to this night show and it, they use the same exact office the same exact theater like it nothing mm -hmm. really changed too intensely but with this the colbert report moved from across town moved into the um letterman's old theater had to redo everything and then colbert wasn't even playing a character anymore he was playing himself which yeah. like was a whole different thing and then the house band who i was working for they were a band of juilliard trained musicians they never played on tv before they like it was a mess the first like a year um but then we ended up getting into a groove and and uh yeah it was amazing that was that was my first first job outside of college so it was a really long-winded answer <laughs> <laughs> no, that, uh, uh, that's incredible and i mean it it, it really goes to, to show that when you do get opportunities you took complete at, at, at advantage of them you know and that's how you got the next opportunity and you, you yeah. know, you, you worked how, how many of those, you know, in, internships were unpaid where so many, people yeah. at a, at a, you know, at a certain point feel like I, I deserve something or, you know, how, how long can I, can I go with, without getting paid? But if, if you, if you continue to push through and, and do good work, that, that's, that's that's how it can can happen well also yeah. doing and like going above said, and beyond like oh yeah, go going and yeah. doing that extra step and that extra step it showed and people thought of you when things were changing and there was a job opportunity like 
you not doing that, maybe like, you know, the person that you were splitting the time with that you ended up taking over. I mean, clearly she wasn't, I mean, maybe doing a bunch, but you were putting in a lot of time in a specific thing that made you stand out like a lot. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I didn't have to make that intern manual or, you know, take on all those hours, but I just always been that kind of worker. And I feel like in my past, like leading up to that point, it always was something that paid off. And like, I knew that like any energy I put in will be worth it. Um, But that being said too, like it is not an easy world out there and it's really, really tough for these internships not to be paid because there's people who are not in the position where they can even support themselves working an unpaid job. Mm -hmm. And so I think it unlocks like another level of the music industry in general, which just talks about the unfairness in, in pay. And I experienced this at the late show, especially because I ended up getting paid a very, very, very low salary starting out. Didn't even really make much when I left. And um, I was like living in Bushwick with like four roommates, you know, paying, still having to pay like, 900 a month which for new york is cheap but that was like a week and a or a week of my paycheck plus a little bit you know um meanwhile working alongside people who lived in the west village who had these penthouses because their parents helped them with rent you know and and it just like really shined a light on this inequality of wealth in the music industry where a lot of these companies kind of go after the like oh it's a sexy job title you should be lucky to work here the amount of times i've gotten told that when i've asked for a raise like oh you should be lucky to work here it's like no you should be lucky to have me and my talent like pay me for what i deserve Mm -hmm. um totally let's hope this doesn't get leaked to uh (laughs) (laughs) no but that being said like i was very outspoken um which they know like if this, if they hear this, they know I was very outspoken to them about um, wanting and deserving more money. Um, because when I started there, I had a specific job title, and then it ended up being a completely different job title uh, a year later because of like everything that was changing and happening. And um, it took me, yeah, it was, I ended up getting a raise, but it took a, a lot of um, making lists of what my job duties are and like keeping track of what I've been doing and like really just uh, kind of advocating for myself. And I think a lot of women in the music industry feel like they can't do that because they're either afraid of the feedback or they're afraid that someone will say no, or, you know, you get fired. But first of all, no one can fire you for asking for more money. Second of all, it's always worth speaking up because if you don't, no one's going to think about you to pay you more. Like you always need to be in the position where you're like, I'm worth this. I'm going to ask for it. Um, and it's hard to do with, without feeling uncomfortable, but I think it's a really important topic, um, especially as sure. being a female in, in music, because it is a very male dominated industry and yet you have to have thick skin out there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and there, there, there is this, this, thing i think in the uh in the music industry where there's so many people that are trying to get in that they'll do it for free so that creates this feeling like you could just be replaced by the thousands of other people that would that would be that would be you know like happy to work for free yeah Yeah, free, but it's like for how long would, mm-hmm. they, yeah. would they do that for? You know, it's like, yeah, that's great for a year. 
Yeah. And then you see that there's like a really high turnover rate, um, especially in these PA positions and the lower level jobs in music. Like people quit and get hired so frequently because like you realize when you're working somewhere and you're barely making ends meet, like, oh, is it really worth it? Like all of my struggling, like, do I really, why am I struggling so much to be Mm -hmm. working in this position, you know? And like, it, it really... I think hard about it and I think the music industry is a beautiful place I think music let's not say music industry but music is a beautiful thing and I <laughs> love it dearly but I think there's a lot of elements of the industry that need to change so. yeah for sure and it's yeah that, that, that's kind of the, the thing is it's so it's ever a, a you know it's it, changes so much like every couple of, of, of years the, the type of, of jobs that that people are doing completely change and then yeah. every everybody's just kind of trying to get by so it's yeah it's this exactly. weird, yeah it's this weird thing where it you know it isn't quite like working for other major major uh, you know companies where they, yeah. they kind of like can expect what they're going to be making or, you know, oh, yeah. where it's, it's so up and down and, you know, Especially and, for and, bands. And, yeah. It's like you guys, like it's crazy because being a band now is like being a startup, you yeah, know? Cause it's totally. like, it's so much more than just music now. It's like, what is your brand? What is your, are you on TikTok? What are you doing to like stay relevant? Like all of these things that like the, the big the big man up top or whatever like the the hand of like the industry is like i don't know it's because there's this huge gap in in wealth between like fans and the heads of record labels you know it's like there's so there's so much space there and there's so many different bands nowadays that are doing it in all these like different ways like you guys i i love what you guys are doing because you tried the major label thing. It didn't work out because you knew it wasn't you and it wasn't your band. And you've cultivated this amazing community that has lasted for so long. And I think that's something that's super important that fans forget to do. They're like so caught up in the like brand element of it, like trying to stay relevant and cool that they kind of like lose fans along the way because they don't include them and they don't try to, bring their fans along into this evolution of their band. They just try to like catch on to the next trend. Um, and I think with anything, it's like staying authentic is so important, but it is, it is a struggle because especially in this COVID era, like you guys make most of your money or a lot of your money touring and the touring business is non-existent for 2020. So <laughs> yeah, it's definitely. Yeah. It's, it's hard. You just have to have to ad- adapt. And it's like every, yeah. every day we're trying to, to figure out what, what's the thing to, to do to get by. And, you know, it's, it is certainly not um, an industry to get in. If you kind of want to just coast and like, yeah. and, and kind of, you know, be, be aware of what, what you're going to be doing in six months from now. <laughs> so you can have your vacations mapped out and things. Yeah. <laughs> this, this is not, <laughs> but um, so you have your, dream job and then 
and then all of a sudden, you know, you're 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 doing some some other things, but then you know, all, all of a sudden, I, I I start seeing your 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 Instagram of of your of your cheese plates is like exploding. Um, so yeah, how in the world do you go from your dream job in, in the music industry that 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 you've been working on since since you were thirteen to Walking away from everything to do cheese plates—that um, <laughs> seems very extreme. Yeah, so it's funny because a lot of people see it that way. Because on paper, that is literally it. It's like, <laughs> why? Why did you work in music for this long to get this dope job to literally leave for cheese? Um, so it's funny because it's like a- another important thing is that what you see on the internet is not real. And there are so many different factors that go into someone's happiness and life. And just because it's a dream job doesn't mean it's perfect and that's okay. And when you realize that that's okay too. Um, I think my job was, it was amazing. There were so many, I got to like go to the Grammys and the Emmys and do all this amazing stuff. I was working to the point of burnout. Like I worked, 14 hour days, seven days a week, because I was John Batiste's assistant at the late show. I also toured with him off the road. Um, I ran his social media. I creative directed music videos. I was like doing everything for him. Um, again, like my tendency to like work too much, <laughs> but it was great because I was like, you know, having all these experiences, but I was feeling so exhausted. There'd be days where I'd work like 32 days in a row with no day off constantly on a plane and cheese plates were always this thing that kind of lived alongside my life um kind of on the sidelines <laughs> so when I was really young my parents were avid entertainers and I would always be on like crudite or cheese plate duty my mom would just like throw a bunch of stuff at me and be like make a nice little plate and I'm like okay and coming from like a, a visual background loving photography I always like to just arrange things use my hands um, and then in college, this turned into uh, an Instagram that I started because my friends and I would have wine and cheese parties to make ourselves feel a little fancy with like some really cheap cheese and meat. And I would like throw a rosemary sprig on there and be like, oh, it's fancy. <laughs> and uh, I started taking photos of my cheese plates and just put them on Instagram because I wanted to, to document them and always having a love for social media. It was, it was the new medium at the time. And so this Instagram, I just kind of kept up with over the years um, because it was this passion project. Like I had so much fun making cheese plates. Um, I would, I started making like tote bags for my cheese plates and selling them in a merch store, like almost taking the model of like the music industry and applying it to cheese. I like had a logo designed and started growing it really, really slowly. So I started in 2013 and by 2018, I had 50,000 followers. So it really was like over time, it was just this, this thing that was building. Um, but in 2017, 2018, that kind of two year period, I was working this crazy, like, you know, these crazy hours traveling so much. And on the weekends when I did have off making a cheese plate was like my creative Zen where I can just slow down and everything would just disappear. You know, like probably with you guys, like you're playing the bass, you're playing the drums and you just get in this zone where you're just like, time doesn't exist and you just like Mm -hmm. zone out for me that's making a cheese plate because I realized like 
I'm cutting vegetables. I can't be looking at my phone. I'm like painting almost with like putting these pieces of meat together, making a salami river. And it looks like (laughs) an art piece. And then using my photography skills, taking pictures of that um, and putting them on social media and like sharing that with the world. It was like, it was this really fun um, side project that I had. And I never expected it to be anything like I knew that it was like a fun Instagram, like everyone has a food Instagram, you know, you're like, Oh yeah, I have my little like pictures of the restaurant. post on his Instagram. That's what it was for me. Um, but as I kind of started building it more into a brand and realizing that people were following it, I was like, Oh, well maybe I can like try to leverage this in another way and like see what happens. So in, um, 2017, my friend Leslie, who you guys might know, she has Doug the pug, like mm-hmm. Instagram oh, yeah, yeah. famous dog. Yeah. So um, we've been friends for years because I used to have a pug and just through music. She used to work in the music industry, now does Instagram. Very like similar parallels. And she's helped me a lot through this whole uh, world. But I asked her in 2017, like, how did you publish a book? Because she had a book out with Doug. And um, I always thought that she's plates would look beautiful in like a coffee table book. And she was like, oh, well, you need a um, book agent. I was like, okay, well, where do I start with that? She's like, oh, let me introduce you to mine. So similarly to music, it's like you meet someone who introduces you to someone who introduces someone. So I met with her book agent who ended up signing me um, kind of as her little passion project being like, this is a good idea. Like, yeah, let's see, let's see where this goes. And the concept for the book was called Cheese by Numbers. So essentially it's like paint by numbers maps, but instead of um, paint, it's items on a cheese plate. So like if you see one on the cheese by numbers map, that means cheese and two means meat, three is produce and so on. So you kind of build this step by step, which makes it really easy. And um, at the time in 2017, I think I had like maybe 30,000 followers and we pitched it out and I got rejected by every single person who saw this deck, <laughs> literally every single one. They're just like, no, sorry. Like, yeah, the idea is interesting, but um you know, there's not enough press behind this. There's not enough followers. Like no one's going to buy this book. Sorry. Um, which is funny because actually exactly two years ago from today, uh, I tweeted, which I'm just going to read it because it was exactly two years ago. It's so interesting. Um, May 11th, 2018. Ixnay on a cheese guide. Not much more to say than that. Cheese is love, but a book on it is unnecessary for most people as a man from an undisclosed large bookstore chain saving this tweet for when I prove him wrong. That's amazing. I have to ask, did you, did you purposely set the, the, the release date of the book? Or, or, no, or, or, I didn't. The, <laughs> the weirdest thing is no. Like my, my release date actually got pushed back because of COVID. So yeah. it's just divine timing. Um, it's supposed to But happen. yeah, so that was, that was a dude from a very large bookstore chain. And I was like, wow, I'm never going to write a book. No one likes this idea. This is discouraging. But like, instead of getting down about it, I was like, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to prove them wrong. Cause like, I hate when people doubt me. <laughs> it's kind of like, like, don't doubt me. I can do it, whatever. So um, I ended up making an Instagram for cheese by numbers just to kind of save the name. So then I had two cheese accounts, one for that cheese plate, <laughs> which is the community. And then cheese by numbers, which is like the method. Um, and so in 2018, I was still working with John Batiste, still traveling, crap ton, still exhausted, still making cheese plates. And there was this, this moment where I got an email and it was from the Rachel Ray show. And they were like, Hey, we found cheese by numbers. 
um, would love to have you come on the show to talk about your method. I was like, what? She's my numbers. This account has like 5,000 followers. And, um, so I went on the show and they didn't want to talk about that cheese plate because they thought it was confusing to talk about two Instagrams. <laughs> so mm-hmm. we talked about cheese by numbers and it aired in December and overnight cheese by numbers blew up to like 20,000 followers. And then that cheese plate was like 50,000. So I was like, Oh my God. Okay. I have these two cheese accounts now. I need to like make sure they both like link to each other. I felt so stupid. Cause I was like, why didn't I just like, why did I make cheese by numbers in the first yeah. place? Like, this is so stupid. But then I'm like, no, the reason why you got on the race to race show was because she's my number. So like, it all makes sense. Um, so I was at this fork in the road where I was just on TV and I got like, you know, an influx of press. And I was like, man, I don't know what I want to do because I was, we're still working in music, but like, there was really no, like I was John's personal assistant. And when you're a personal assistant, there's like not much room to grow. Like you can either go to like the management route maybe, or like be a personal assistant forever. I don't know. I was like kind of in this position where I wanted to move in the music industry to another job in music. And I was at this crossroads. Um, whereas when I got rejected the first time from these publishers, I was so in, in my job that like, I couldn't have left to write a book. Like no way. Yeah. Um, so in January, um, I was actually with you, Garrett, in the car. You guys were driving me to the airport, you and Lupe and Fallon. And I got an email from the Today Show. <laughs> and they were like, hey, we saw you on like Rachel Ray. Do you want to come on the Today Show? And I was like, what? This is crazy. This is like the biggest show on TV. And it was just like one of those moments where I was like, okay, what? Like, this is bigger than I thought, I think. But I still was confused. I'm like, I, I just don't know what's happening. But like, let's just go with it. We'll go with it. So I go on the Today Show. And then after that, it's just like an explosion of press. And so um, I had this Vox article come out that circulated. Um, I accidentally started like a viral uh, story about making a cheese plate on an airplane when in reality, I was just like hungry with John Batiste on an overnight flight to LA and <laughs> just documented it. And it got picked up by like travel and leisure and like food and wine. Um, and then I got an email from an imprint at Random House and they were like, Hey, um, we saw your Today Show, um, episode would love to talk about a book. If you've ever thought about writing a book. And I was like, well, that's funny. Well, I thought about this years ago. (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, I have the proposal here. (laughs) Um, so I met with them and luckily they were one of, they were a brand new imprint. So we didn't pitch them previously. And at this point, my agent dropped me and um, was like, oh, well, if you try to resign to any of these agents I pitched to, like, I, I'm your agent still. Like, I was locked into this, like, crazy contract with her. But luckily, the dial press wasn't one of the ones that she pitched to. So I um, talked to them about the book. We kind of formulated the idea, which was very similar to the original concept, um, but kind of looping in this this narrative of how cheese plates are like self-care and how they can be like a relaxing activity. And then um, I ended up quitting my job in April because I had very tight deadlines to write this book. So I signed the book deal May 6th of 2019. And usually books take like two years to make um, just from like photo shoots and planning, rescue testing. I buckled down in my apartment and did all the photos and food styling myself and just got it done in four months and now it's coming out tomorrow it's wow insane. what yeah, a crazy so, story incredible. <laughs> it's nuts 
it's nuts. I tell this. This is the first time I actually told this story from when I was like 13 to now. Usually it's like starting at cheese. Yeah. And it's actually pretty crazy. Like, I'm, I'm confused every day. <laughs> <laughs> so are you at, at this point is making a cheese plate? Has it become a job or is it a relaxing thing? So that's funny because it's like music was always the job and became like the the burnout culture job. And now music yeah. is so like enjoyable to me. And it's like my, my side passion, like love and cheese is the same. Like cheese does not burn me out. It doesn't make me feel as like crazy as I felt in music. But there are days where, like, I have to do, like, when I was writing this book, I had to make five cheese plates in a day and then take them all apart and put them in the fridge. And it's, like, that part about making a cheese plate for content creation bothers me because I'm, like, the whole point of making a cheese plate is to, like, share with other people and then you, like, have this moment and you're all eating it together and around the table, drinking wine. It's, like, it's a moment. It brings people together. But when you're making a cheese plate for, like, a post and then you take it apart and put it away you're like oh Um, but I still do I still do kind of tap into that creative state when I am making a plate it's like it's almost like watercolors or like you know sculpting pottery like you're just kind of it's yeah it's like it's a it's a work of uh of art in a sense so I still do feel in the zone and like and relax when I make a plate but just be the enjoying that part um I actually I, when I lived in Brooklyn, which hopefully I can go back soon, my friends and I would have like bi-monthly cheese parties, which I'm pretty sure you guys have been to before. We um, have. We actually went like, the day before Your OK came out, I think. We went to your house too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's and we true. had a big cheese party. And it was like Fallon's birthday. There was like a lot going on. Yeah. Um, that was fun. Yeah. We had a cheese party. And with those, basically, I take all of the cheese that I've used for these posts and make like five cheese plates and then give them to everyone to eat. So that's, that's where it all comes together when I can serve it to my friends. <laughs> so how do you come up with the ideas for these? You know, cause obviously like you've, you've evolved from, from just the simple uh, cheese plates with brie and crackers and things that, that, that people would would expect to, you know, to, to where you're making ones with chicken wings on them or whatever. Um, well, you have, you, you have your, uh, salami, right? Salami river. The salami river. Yeah. Yep. Which you Stylistic came up with. Yeah. Trademark. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, yeah. I mean, like how did, how did the, those ideas come? Um, I mean, it's like every day is like a new, inspiration like it's crazy because have you ever um heard of the book big magic by elizabeth gilbert it's a I great book I haven't it's all about like feeling inspiration in the moment and like acting upon it or mm-hmm. you can just kind of like let it pass and then that idea will like tap into someone else it's like we're all just these like vessels for ideas and like when something comes to mind and you like feel this like spark just like act upon it Yep. It sounds, yeah, it's I've, like I've a little heavy. I've, and, I've heard and a version of trippy, that from, from some some ideas too, with like musicians. Yeah, and it's kind of like that. We're like, I'll wake up in the morning and be like, you know what? I think it could be cool to make like astrology themed cheese plates because cheese and people they all have personalities, and like I bet I can find a way to like figure out a cheese pairing that matches with a Leo. You know, yeah. um, 
so that and like also taking ideas of like other interests I have and like merging those into cheese plates or holidays that's a big one like oh it's Halloween let's do like a fun cheese plate that has like a cutout of a ghost on it and like cut the brie into a little ghost shape and it gives you that little focal point that stands out and makes it like an actual themed plate um also seasons are really important cheese plates because you know a big part of a cheese plate is the produce and produce is all seasonal so like in the summertime you can do like grilled vegetables which pair well with like a mozzarella or a fresher cheese and then the fall you can do like some dried apricots and dried figs that go well with like a more aged cheese. So just kind of like considering pairings and like, because I've been doing this for almost seven years now, I've learned so much about cheese and pairings and all types of cheese. So keeping the integrity of like the pairings on the plate, but using these little like visual elements to make a specific theme pop. It's kind of like the, the go-to. That's awesome. Yeah. So, right, so I guess as a, a, a final thing for somebody out there, um, what are they going to get for, from, from, the, from the book if, you know, if, if, if they're into enter, entertaining people but don't really, like me, like don't really feel like they could do a, a, a good job of making a <laughs> cheese play look, look good, like, like uh, what exactly are they going to get out of the book? Yeah, so this book is exactly for that purpose because I've seen so many books out there um, with cheese plates included in the book. Like the book isn't completely cheese plate related, but there's cheese plates in there and people just kind of list the ingredients next to it and that's it. And you're like, well, how do I even build that? Like, where do I even start? And so um, the beauty of this book is that there's 49 or 50 cheese plates in here and um, every cheese plate has a four page spread so the first the first page is your grocery list that's separated by the cheese by numbers method which is cheese meat produce crunch dip garnish and then that that page also has the type of plate so if it's like a wooden cutting board 11 by 17 like gives you the inches gives you the plate type your grocery list everything's on the first page the second page is the photo of the, the cheese plate so just like a really nice um image of it completed and then you flip the page and there's a, a six step-by-step going through every method or every step of cheese by numbers. So the first photo is just the cheese on the plate. The second photo is the cheese and the meat. The third is the cheese, meat, the produce. And then it keeps adding on so you can see how I built it. And then the last page um, has this cheese by numbers, paint by number illustrated map, um, which is actually illustrated by this girl, Sarah Galanchi, who I met at the Late Show. She was the receptionist at the time when I was a PA, so... She illustrated my book, which is awesome. Um, And the numbers on the plate correlate to the steps in the process. So it's really like a foolproof guide. Like you don't need to be a chef. You don't need to be a food stylist. You just follow the step-by-step instructions visually and you can make a beautiful cheese plate. So it's really easy. Hell yeah. That's awesome. Well, congratulations on the the book and congratulations on turning, you know, I, I, I think... That's what what anybody would would hope to do, and you know, for for us in the band, that's what I feel like so lucky that you know we were able to turn a passion into a job. And, yeah, and, it's and, crazy and, and into something that we get to do every every day. You know, the fact that you've now done that a, a handful of times, and and to and you know, with with the cheese to be able to be able to do it completely on your on your own is. Awesome. 
So oh, thanks, guys, and I appreciate you featuring me on your podcast. This is awesome. I, I love that we can all like have full circle come together moment and be like <laughs> we've been trying crazy. We, we tried to do it. Uh, what like in the fall or something was the original idea, but I think ti- this is timed oh, yeah. out uh, to be even better. So hell yeah, I know this is perfect. Yep. And now Pat has a baby. Yeah. <laughs> Remember when we were crazy, all kids? Crazy kids time. at the teen center. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Exactly. Awesome. Well, thanks. Thanks so much. And uh, everybody out there, go and, go and get the book. I, it's on, I assume, every site. Yeah, everywhere yeah, books Amazon, are Amazon is probably the easiest way. Amazon's easy. If you want to support your local bookstores, um, indiebound.com is good. You can look up. Um, any local bookstore and request an order for it there. So that's awesome too. But yeah, that cheese plate will change your life is the name. Heck yeah. Hell yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks for chatting with us. Yeah, thanks, thanks guys. Marissa. Let's hope we can um, go on a dance floor at a wedding sometime soon. After yeah. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Uh, all right. Hope so. Awesome. Well, have a, have a good rest of your day and I'm, sh- I'm sure it'll, it'll be an awesome week with a bunch of exciting exciting stuff so yes indeed all right guys thank you again take care see ya bye